everyone. Welcome to episode 93 of Utah Royals FC show. Um, this episode is really special because um, we get to have uh, Utah Royals newcomer uh, Taylor Leach on the uh, podcast today. Um, Taylor has had a lot of experience playing in Sweden, uh, even though she's from the U.S. Most of her professional time has been over there. And um, so she joined this offseason. Um, Taylor, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thanks so much for joining. Um, yeah, so usually the way we like to start the show is just to hear a little bit about um, your soccer story. So if you could just fill us in a bit about your background and, you know, kind of when you decided you wanted to play professionally, what it was like playing as a kid growing up, that would be awesome to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio. Um so I, growing up, I started playing when I was four for a local club there. And then uh, at, actually at the age of 15, I made the decision to change clubs and play for a club in Cleveland, which was two and a half hours one way to go mm. play there. And so I had to make that commitment because to play it in that club, it was obviously a way more elite club than I was playing with before. And I felt like that was the best decision for me in order to get exposed to be recruited for a big D1 school uh, for college. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that was a goal of mine. And then sure enough, I was able to be recruited by the University of South Carolina, which I spent five years there, actually, because I came in with uh, a torn ACL. So I sat out my freshman year mm -hmm. and then um, obviously then played four years after that. And then from there, I spent a little bit of time in Western New York, a little bit. And then... Um, after that, I made the decision then to go abroad because that's when the league in Sweden was getting ready to start. And just through connections um, from, you know, my college coaches and, and people that they knew abroad, uh, I kind of made my way over there to Sweden. And I spent the last almost four years. I just moved back at the end of um, October, this past October. I just moved okay. back. and. Now I'm here in Utah. So that's nice. kind of a, a quick summary of my, my soccer career so far. Yeah. So was there a moment or like anything that stands out that you remember where you decided, hey, I want to go professional or this dream of going professional seems like a realistic possibility? Um, honestly, I hadn't really put too much thought into playing professionally. I think my biggest goal was to go and play at a big D1 school and be successful there. But Actually, my junior year um, of college, my my head coach had approached me and said, you know, Tay, have you thought about, you know, potentially playing after college? And I was like, no, I mean, not really. I, I mean, it obviously was a thought that kind of crossed my mind, but I didn't obviously put too much emphasis on it because I was just mm -hmm. focused, you know, on the college aspect of that at that time. And and then the more I thought about it, just because, you know, she was like, you know, I, I really think you should consider it. Um, I think you're good enough to go and I think you would really enjoy it. You have the love for the game that's needed at that level. And, and so then junior year, senior year, and then through the connections, then I was like, you know what, I, th I think I really want to do that. So but then that's when I decided to kind of make that next step. Gotcha. Um, so did you decide to go like straight to Sweden or did you consider going through the NWSL draft? Like kind of how did, how did that shake out from college to Sweden? Yeah. So, um, I was 
in the draft um, after college. Uh, just put my name in there, obviously, again, just my coaches thought that was a good idea because I originally wanted to go abroad right away, but they're like, no, you just put your name in. And so I did that. And then um, I was able to go, I went into preseason with Western New York for a little bit and actually was with the team. I didn't obviously see time much because I had some great, great center backs in front of me. And during that little bit period of time, I had to make the decision, do I stay here or do I go abroad and, you know, try to play and, and learn a different culture and that kind of thing, which is what I wanted to do originally. So mm-hmm. it was really cool then the kind of connections that I had in that way to go. And then once I was over there, I actually played in the, the way it works in Sweden and in most European countries is they have the top league and then there's a bunch underneath, right? So you have the second league underneath, third, fourth, and it just goes all the way, you know, for mm-hmm. many divisions, I guess. And so when I went over there, originally I was in the second league and I was in there for th- and being an American and not really having the status, I guess, like as a national team player, for instance, like a Chris and press or um, it's really hard to go directly into the, into the first league. So I was able to go in the second league and they're like, once you're over there, you know, it's just kind of more of, as exposure. Once you're seen by somebody, then you can be picked up right away. Sure enough, three months after being there, um, I was picked up uh, by Gothenburg and then I was there for the rest of my time there. And they're actually obviously in the, in the highest league. And that's where I was able to then play with Kristen press or right before she came here when she went to Sweden, she was my teammate. So Mm -hmm. um, that was really cool also to be able to. Yeah. So I was wondering, um, were you the only American on the team at the time, like prior to press joining? Um, no, there were two others prior to press. Um, one, um, from that played at USC, uh, uh, Southern Cal, and then one that played at Wake Forest and they actually then left or one of them left and then Kristen came. So it was just the three of us. And then Kristen and, um, the other teammate of mine had left. And then it was just me then for, Mm-hmm. about a year and a half or yeah like a year so yeah okay american there yeah so um you know press was there i think at two different points hope solo also played over there is there yep. any specific reason why you know sort of two legendary u.s women's national team players ended up at uh gothenburg i just think it was it's just a very it's a great place to live um the city's amazing right and I think just the the quality of the coaching that they had at that time. I know when Kristen was there before, they had a fantastic coach. So I heard. I mean, obviously I wasn't able to play for him, but I just think they were able to draw in top-notch players like that because they also had the best of the best in Europe as well. Like they had um, some of the best Swedish national team players and they had, you know, some from Holland. Um, Lieke Martins mm-hmm. was there on that team at that point. So just naturally drawing those kind of players, it, it's a bit easier market-wise to get, you know, kind of the best of the best. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so were you you were part of the team that you know just were in the Champions League against Bayern Munich, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. What What was it like? You know that experience. I mean, didn't you get a an away win in in Munich? Yeah, it was. It was honestly. 
so incredible. Like the whole just environment, the experience as a whole. Um, I mean, because that's one of the biggest, you know, stages you can play on is in Champions League. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. And so, and the fact they were playing Bayern Munich was one of the best teams in the world. At first we were like, all right. So we, we had a, obviously the first game was home and it was a very close fought out game. And they ended up winning 2-1 in the last like 30 seconds of the game. Like 93rd minute, it was insane. Oh, that's the worst. Total heartbreaker, right? So super, mm. yeah, total heartbreaker. And then the next week we flew to Bayern and actually did beat them one nothing. And unfortunately that because they scored two away goals that put them above us and they were, they moved on and it's, they're still in it. So it's just crazy to know that like that team of that caliber, I mean, we competed, we beat them, you know, it's just super cool, super cool for sure. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Um, So what did you like most about living in Sweden? Is there anything that you, you really miss? Well, I miss the people that I met there, obviously my teammates and, and just people in general. Like I, I went to many coffee shops while I was there. So I met, you know, people through those and, and, um, just the whole culture. It's just, it was different because where I lived, I lived directly in the city. So, you know, for transportation, I would either take the tram, like, you know, actual public transportation, or I would walk. Whereas here it's so different, right? Because, you know, you have your car, it's just so different in that way. And I kind of miss that. And, just even the hearing the language, I know how, how like that sounds super weird, but it was very strange to me when I first came back to the U.S. just to hear English all the time. Because I, when I was over there, the minute I heard English, I freaked out and like whipped my head around to see, you know, <laughs> who was speaking English because it was just Swedish all the yeah. time. Do I know them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it was ama- it was amazing. Just the whole experience, the people I met there, the city itself, the team, the you know the the competition. Um, yeah, it was a. I would never. I wouldn't change that for the world. That was. The, it was so much fun. Yeah, it seems like a pretty incredible experience. Um, so outside of Sweden, do you have any like favorite cities or places in Europe you, you enjoy traveling to? Yeah, so I was able to go to, um, I went to Paris um, to visit a former teammate from that team. Um, I was able to go to Barcelona in Spain. Mm. I had been to, obviously, I went to Munich. Um, I went to Gran Canaria Islands in Spain. That's where we took our like team trip. Um, obviously, I've been to Norway, Finland, because they're pretty close to where I was. Um, Denmark, I'd been to... Um, but I mean, again, like when we're playing, the only time we were able to go is obviously if it was like a team, you know, trip. So yeah. it's not like we had so much time where I was able just to book flights wherever, cause we were playing all the time. And I think that sometimes that was hard for people to understand. They're like, Oh, so in Europe. So you went to here, here, here. And I'm like, uh-huh. I did it. Just like if I were here in Utah, I mean, yeah. Okay. We have, you know, California, all these places around me. But the only places we're really going, obviously, are the ones to play. So yeah. it's the same idea. And I want to go back to Europe like later on, obviously, and then just be able to travel and not have the restriction of, you know, having a schedule around uh, 
you know, a game or training session or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the interesting things about professional athletes is you all get to travel a lot, but it's to very specific places. Generally yeah. Speaking. yeah. Um, so would you stay over there for the full year or would you like come back to the States during the off season? So the way it worked is, so we had, we started preseason in January, like the very beginning of January, we started preseason. We had preseason from January to March. And then um, at the beginning of April is kind of when our season started. So then we would play from April until we normally have a little bit of a break in the summer. But that break, it obviously depended on the year, whether it was Olympic year, World Cup year. Um, and I was able to go home, I think it was for like eight days in the summer in this, wow. uh, in that break. Because then, I mean, we had, I guess, like three weeks off, but obviously they weren't completely off for us. We still had to train, but they yeah. let us go home and like be away for... I think it was like eight or nine days. So I, I got a flight and I went home usually every year in the summer for, it was a very short amount of time when I was able to go home in the summer. And then I'd come back and then we continue playing until end of October slash mid November. And then I'd mm. go home for the rest of November. Um, and then just December. And then I'd have to come right back in January. So I was there pretty much all year. Yeah. Minus like a month, give or take. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's pretty intense. Um, yeah, I guess I would have assumed it would be more significant chunks, but that's pretty no. brief. Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't realize that we literally had preseason for three months, so it was. I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, yeah, January to March that's a long time, and yeah, granted we're we're not just training the whole time. Obviously, we're trying to get some games in there. And then we have our, our Swedish cup tournament that kind of takes place in the preseason time. And so we are playing ish, but it's still, it's so long. Three months is a very long time. And then you start season. And so you can imagine how we feel at the end of season, because it literally went from January until, you know, end of October. Mm -hmm. So we're just done by that point. Right. So we're, we're <laughs> like, I want to go home, but yeah, it's crazy. Hmm. Um, yeah. Any favorite memories or things that stick out about, about your time in Gothenburg? Um, I would just say, uh, more so obviously soccer speaking soccer wise. I, I think we, when we won the Swedish cup, that was huge because that they, they hadn't won it since I think Kristen had been there the, la the time before. Um, and then, Going, having the experience or the opportunity to go and, and compete in Champions League, I think having them come to Gothenburg and the the fan base that we had for that game was unreal. I think that was one of my favorite memories. And and then obviously mm. going to be able to get a win. But as Gothenburg in general, I just think just the environment, the whole – I miss my coffee shops. I miss the – you know, my, the people that I met in those coffee shops or my teammates just going to grab, they call it fika. And what that means, it, it's more of the act of going to have a coffee and like converse with a friend or with whoever. So they actually have a term for that. 
So mm. people are always like, Hey, you want to, you want to take a fika? And that's what that meant. Like, let's go and kind of get like coffee and a little pastry if need be, or you, if you want and kind of just hang out. Yeah. That's awesome. I really like that. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm from Oregon. I lived in Portland before moving to Salt Lake and oh, nice. that's definitely the vibe there. Yeah, <laughs> and I miss it. Definitely. Have you found any favorite coffee shops in Salt Lake so far? I think my favorite and I go pretty often is uh honeysuckle. Oh yeah. I've never been there, which is, I feel bad about it's close to the stadium, right? Yeah. And then I've also been to, uh, blue Creek. Is that what that's called? Is that what that one's called? There's blue copper. Oh, blue copper. Um, and then there's a place called T Creek. T Creek. <laughs> I mixed uh, both. Yeah. But I've been to both of those too, but, um, obviously the closest one for us is honeysuckle and love the people there. Love the vibe there. So nice. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, I used to be a roaster at La Barba, and that was a lot of fun for a job. Yeah, they do good stuff. At least I think they do. It's my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you mentioned that you came back to the States in October. Um, Did you know at that point that you'd be joining the Royals, or were you just coming back to come back? Yeah, I was just kind of coming back to come back, you know, be closer to the family. And, um, I mean, honestly, I, I thought even about, like, start like coaching or doing something else. But when I got the phone call from Laura, which was very, I literally had landed. And then maybe four days later, I get a phone call from Laura saying that she wants me to come and play here in Utah. And they'd been, they'd been watching me. They'd been watching film while I was over in Sweden. And, um, and yeah, then from there, I was like, all right, well, because my original plan obviously was just to come home just to be close and stateside. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, I'd been abroad for, you know, a long time. So it was time for me, I think, to come back and be closer. And I was like, well, I can still play. And I mean, I'll, anything in the U.S. is so close to me now in the grand scheme of things than when I was over in Sweden. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a great conversation I had with Laura and I – thought about it a little bit and I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I still love the game. I still want to play. And now I'm here. Now I assume at that point, um, you know, Laura was still the coach. Sauerbrunn was still on the roster. I mean, maybe they knew at that point that she would be um, headed to Portland, but it seems like a lot of change with the head coach with, you know, um, you know, there's a real opening to to pair alongside Rachel Corsi now that um, you know Becky is no longer, you know, the captain, no longer in the team. Um, does that change how you feel about you know your the time you'll see in the field and what you can contribute? I mean, maybe. Who knows? I know when um, I when I first spoke and and kind of committed to Utah, Becky was still on the team, and I was honestly super excited just to be able to learn from a player like that. Um, and so for me, actually, when she left, I was kind of bummed, but at the same time, it's, I get it, you know, you know, players, you know, make those decisions uh, for personal reasons. And so for me, it's just, regardless, I was always just going to give everything I had and whether that means I play, I don't play. That's not up to me. It's up to the coach, but I obviously will give everything I can, um, and bring everything I can to the table to hopefully play. Obviously everybody wants to play, but um, 
yeah, I mean, that's just the mindset that I have. I have to come in um, and literally just do whatever I can control. And then everything else obviously is up to the coaches at that point. Um, so you had played with uh, Kristen Press before, but did you have personal relationships with any other players uh, prior to joining? Um, besides Kristen, no. Like I had never played with – I mean, I knew of a lot of the players, obviously, but I didn't know them um, on a personal level. So, no, Kristen was the only one that that I really, you know, obviously played with and had some sort of relationship with her. Yeah. And I know she's not in market, so you guys probably haven't really seen each other face-to-face. Yeah. Point, you're not seeing a lot of your teammates face-to-face, but have you gotten to connect with her at all? Um, no, I actually haven't been able to connect with Kristen yet. I mean, I, I know she's – obviously, like you said, she's not here. and But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, ha- I honestly haven't spoken to her since – I mean, we kept in contact a little bit after she left Sweden – um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it hasn't been, I mean, I'm sure once she's here, then we'll kind of rekindle things, but yeah, I haven't yeah. spoken to her recently. Gotcha. Um, so how, I know you haven't played a game yet, which is real unfortunate. Um, yeah. but how would you compare, you know, the Swedish league to the NWSL? Um, I just think it's a different style overall. I think, um, I think here in the U S it's a little bit more, you know, fast paced and, and, and kind of more of like the physical side of things where, you know, in, uh, in Europe, it's a little bit more, not that he, people here aren't technical because that's so far from the truth because they, they very much are, but in Europe, it is based more around that technical side of things where you don't see many teams playing direct. It is always playing out of the back possession oriented, um, hmm. And again, I know teams here like to do that, which is fantastic, but there are also teams that do like to play more direct because they have the fast for, you know, the people that can, you know, yeah. get the end of the ball and and be physical and, and that kind of thing. So again, that was something I was kind of used to in college. Obviously it's different, obviously in the league, but it's not like, I, I think for me, which I'm very fortunate for is I was able to go to Europe and experience that kind of style of play and, and add more things to my game in addition to the American style that I was already used to, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it totally does. So for me, it's, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it is. And I remember talking to Kristen about it also, just the differences. And she's like, I mean, it is very comparable. It's just the styles are different. You know, it's just a different way of different mindset, different tactics and, but it's cool. That, I mean, because she's also obviously played there and and now here. So, yep. Um. So yeah, I would love to hear kind of how you would describe your style of play. Like, you know, what what is your game like on the field? Yeah. So I mean, I, based on my position, I'm a center back, as you know, and I'm. So being back there, you have to be very vocal, right? You have to, you know, be able to direct your teammates in a way where you make the 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 game more predictable especially defensively. Um, I love my, one of my favorite parts of the game is the aerial part of the game to go up and win headers in whether that's free kicks, corner kicks, just in the midst of play. Um, I think that um, I really enjoy doing that. And then another thing, I guess that people know me for, they think, you know, 
kind of describes me as a player is just the the mentality that I have. Like I would, I'm very much one that will sacrifice my body to prevent, you know, a shot being taken or I'll take mm-hmm. a shot in the face if I have to, in order for it to not go on the goal. So I think, yeah. and I've always been that way. I don't know why I just always have been, which I think has also benefited me and helped me to get to where I am now. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I'm sure those moments uh, can be painful for you, but are really fun as like for fans to watch like those, yeah. those crazy, you know, clearances from center backs are just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Definitely. Um, so do you have any, are there any center backs that come to mind that you try to emulate or inspire you that you really enjoy watching? I honestly, on the women's side of the game, I really enjoy watching Becky. Um, and then on the men's side of things, I'm a big fan of Virgil van Dyke. Um, oh, he's Liverpool. pretty good. Oh, yes, definitely. Decent. The way he plays. Um, and also, not even defensively, but, I mean, he scores many goals, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. So that's kind of a player that I look to, um, to definitely watch. I watch a lot of film on him. Uh, but, yeah, he's very smart. And you can just tell the things that he's doing off the ball to make his job so much easier when that time comes. And it's just, it, there's so, it's such an art def- being a defender in, in general, any player on the pitch, but defending, especially because it's just, you always have to be thinking, always mm-hmm. have to be thinking and, and in tune with the game. So it's really fun though. Nice. Um, so while you were in Sweden, how closely were you watching the league over here? Like, were you, um, you know, were you aware of Utah Royals, um, and, you know, kind of what, what was being built here? Yeah, actually. I mean, I, I had a lot of team, like, uh, friends and, and people that obviously I knew playing in the league. So whenever I could, um, could watch just because of the time difference, unfortunately, the games were like at one or 2 AM my time. But um, I would stay up or rewatch the, you know, the replay of, of the games. And I, I remember watching um, the Utah Royals a few times and I really liked how they, they were trying to play and, and the kind of the style that they brought. Um, But yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I did. And I, I told some of the girls, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I remember watching that game or like you watched, I'm like, yeah, I watched, I mean, I wasn't able to watch all of them obviously, but whenever I had a chance, because I also, that's what I love to do. I love to be a student Mm -hmm. of the game and just watch, I mean, peers play or, you know, top, top national, you know, league player or team players play and the best of the best in the men's league. Like I just love watching the game. So for me, it was a time to learn and a time to watch friends play. And, and so, yeah, I took Mm -hmm. that all in. And it was, yeah, I did. I remember watching Utah Royal specifically a couple of times and I was like, I like how they, I mean, they're, you can tell they were trying to play. They were trying to, and it was a little bit similar to what I was used to then in Europe. They wanted to keep possession. They wanted to move the ball. So it was really enticing. And that's what I talked to Laura about also. She was like, I mean, because she saw how we played obviously in Sweden and she's like, I think it would fit here because that's how we like to play. So that's kind of how that went. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. I mean, it feels like a really natural connection, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, so are, do you have, 
are you a fan of any team or, you know, as a player, do you kind of just enjoy watching sort of the best teams and kind of who's hot? Um, you mean in the league or just in general? Just in general, like, you know, you mentioned Van Dyke. Are you a yeah, Liverpool I'm a fan? I'm a Liverpool fan. I like watching Juventus. Um, those are probably the two teams I really enjoy. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I love watching, you know, Man City, Man U, all those teams. But if Liverpool's on Liverpool, I'm watching Liverpool. Or if yeah. Juventus, then I'm watching Juventus, you know. So, um, but yeah, yeah, those are my two favorite, I would say. Nice. Um. Cool. Well, so you, um, to shift gears slightly, you have a master's degree. Is that I correct? Do. Yes. So exercise science rehabilitation. Yep. Is that something you're looking to, to use, you know, post-playing career? Definitely. Definitely. I think um, for me, I, the most ideal situation would be to be a strength conditioning coach. Hmm. I've always loved that. Always. I love fitness. I love strength work especially obviously in my career here as a professional, that's one of my favorite things. I just, I'm making sure I'm always fit, always strong, that kind of thing. So I think after I play to help other athletes achieve their goals, strength and conditioning wise, I think would be the best scenario for me. Obviously I'm open to potentially maybe even coaching in college or, you know, something like that. So I haven't really decided you know, for sure, obviously, because I'm still playing, but those are kind of the thoughts that I've had and anything to do with the fitness side of things, I would, you know, be interested in. So. Nice. Um, well, to shift gears slightly, um, COVID-19 has kind of stalled out the entire world. Um, what has that been like for you as an athlete trying to stay sharp, trying to stay focused in a time where, you can't do really much of anything. Yeah, it's honestly been a bit difficult because especially as a professional athlete, we are very much structured in our scheduling. You know, we have to get up at a certain time. We have to train at a certain time, we eat, all those things. So for us to have the soccer thing kind of completely taken out of it, and then on top of that, not only are you not able to, you know, train soccer, but when you go and you run or when you do your lift, you're literally only able to do it with like one other person. And it's the same, per- you know, it's just like those little aspects of things can be very draining and difficult, um, you know, to work with. But I feel like our entire team, because obviously we kind of keep in touch via messages and stuff like that. And, and we do have zoom call um, workouts sometimes that we do together on Friday mornings just so we can literally see people's faces. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's, I feel like everybody is doing their part, which is fantastic. You mean you have the girls that, are, you know, they're doing their runs, they're doing their weight stuff. Um, we're just trying to take, um, you know, care of our bodies as best we can in the situation that we're in, making sure that we're fit enough, making sure that we're strong enough, making sure that we're staying on the ball as much as we can when we can, Um, so that when we do start, hopefully soon, that we don't really have to like worry about the fitness side of things. We can kind of go in and be ready, uh, you know, to take whatever the coaches are kind of giving us as far as tactics go and how things want, how they, you know, their vision for what they see for the season. So I think us as professionals, we're doing a good job, but there, I mean, it is hard. It is not easy 
when you don't get to see your teammates ever. Like, I mean, there's some girls that, I mean, we don't, I don't get to see ever just because we're not able to. And it's so unfortunate. And like you said, some people aren't even in market yet. So I haven't even met some of my teammates, which is also another weird concept, but I mean, I think we're, we're managing, you know, we're doing the best we can. And, and I'm proud of everybody that's, you know, I'm proud of all of my teammates just because it's, it is a difficult situation, but I think we're making the best of it. Yeah. So you had, uh, four days of training, I think, before things were canceled due to COVID. Is that right? Yeah. So I was able to, because we came in a little bit earlier. So we trained twice and then had a little bit of a break and then preseason started. And then we had two days of preseason. So I, yeah, essentially I had four training days with the girls and um, it, yeah. And then after that, it was over. So I no. mean, until that, so yeah, strange. <laughs> Do you feel like you've gotten to know your teammates well? I mean, it's uh, it's a weird situation to be in. If you're new to a team, you've kind of had four days face-to-face with some of them, and then you're kind of isolated. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I know everybody, obviously, as well as I want to. But I think, I mean, you know, obviously in passing or, like, just messaging, like, we kind of all keep up with each other as best we can. And, and we do have team calls and, and things like that. So slowly, but surely we're getting used, I'm getting used to them and they're getting used to me. But again, it's so different when you're face to face with them every day. So, but that time will come hopefully soon. Well, speaking of that time coming, um, the league announced today that individual training could resume uh, May 6th. So, you know, just a couple of days out. Yeah. Um, like, how do you feel about kind of going back to a facility and starting to, you know, get some some training, even if it's individualized? Yeah, definitely. Just like environment in general. I think that's just a step forward and some positivity and something that can help motivate, you know, a lot of us because now we'll be in an area where, OK, this is where we are, tra- you know, just getting that feel back almost. So I think it's a great thing. And I think that a lot of the girls are obviously happy about it. So we have to be as, as thankful as we can yeah. for, for that. Yeah. It seems like a good first step, you know, it's, it's not, not too much, but it's kind of headed in that direction. Yeah, exactly. Heading in the right direction. And that's all we can ask for. Um, so as a player, how would you feel about the possibility of games resuming, but without fans in the stadium? Do you think it's worth, worth, uh, you know, if, if safety is still a concern for large groups, is it worth playing at all if people aren't allowed? Um, I think it would be very weird to play with, with zero fans because, I mean, I can't even imagine an empty stadium, a silent stadium. But if that comes down to, like, the last resort, then I guess that's something that we're going to have to obviously consider. Um, it would be very unfortunate for everyone, for the fans and us players, but I mean, again, everybody's safety and health is obviously number one priority. So we would just have to to roll with it then, if that's what they were decide. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if if that'll happen. It seems like it's going to be a while before you know. Yeah. Utah was averaging, I think, nine to ten thousand fans a game, um, second only to Portland. Um, it feels like it's going to be a while before that seems safe, and so. Yeah. I personally wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. Um, but 
you know, it's just, it's so unprecedented that it's, you know, it's hard to say what will happen. Exactly. And that's the thing, like through this whole process, nobody can obviously predict anything just because, I mean, one day it could be, maybe we'll do this and then it's, you know, something happens with, I mean, we have no control over the virus, right? So nobody can actually truly predict dates because anything can happen. And, and it's just, that's just how it's been through this whole time, which is frustrating. But again, I understand it because we have to be smart also. So. Well, um, have you gotten to experience much of, you know, the state, you know, there's a lot you can still access with it, you know, being such an outdoors place. Um, have you gotten to get outside or develop any favorite spots? Um, I've actually been able to, I mean, obviously we're not able to go many places or like you said, like the national parks and stuff are closed, but I have been going on a lot of just drives in my car just to kind of sightsee as much Mm -hmm. as I can while obviously being safe. And I mean, we've, I've gone to, um, Cottonwood Heights, like that area over there, those Canyon. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. And I just, big and little Cottonwood Canyons are just absolutely gorgeous. And they're so close unbelievable and so i i think that's one of my favorite spots but uh yeah just randomly i'll just take a drive and just just go and then see kind of where i end up and it's beautiful i love i love salt lake it's so pretty yeah oh that's great to hear i uh yeah i know for for us it was a couple weeks before we realized like hey we can still like go for drives or we can camp like in the desert where there's no one around um and that has been like so nice to just get outside a little bit after being stuck inside for so long. Yeah, I bet. I know. I well, was like, I'm not going to go around, but I was like, I can still be in my car and go and sightsee. So <laughs> that's yeah. What I'm yeah. Um, well, one of the questions we'd love to end on is the bar fight question. And that is if you uh, were in a bar fight and could pick one teammate to, to have your back, who would you pick? Ooh. Um, see, this is difficult because I don't, I haven't met all of my teammates. I know it's, <laughs> um, let's see, based on the ones that I have met and know, I would probably pick, um, <laughs> I'd probably pick Gabby. Ooh, I haven't heard that one, that answer yet. Yeah, I'd probably be, again, it's only based on like who I know. Obviously, I know that like most people probably pick like maybe Kelly or, but I don't know. Very popular choice. Exactly. And I think, and I haven't met her yet, but I feel like I would probably pick her if I knew, you know, if I had, Mm -hmm. but just going based on the people that I've actually like conversed with. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick either her or Gunny. Or who? Gunny. Oh, yeah. I feel like Gunny would do well in a bar fight, honestly. Gunny would do very well. Like, I feel like she <laughs> back for sure. I mean, just her style of play, like, she goes into everything so hard and never stops fighting, I think. Yeah. Like she I gets think the skills would translate. What was that? I said she'll get, she'll get um like fall like you know go through a tackle, and then just pop right back up like nothing. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, those skills would translate to bar fighting seamlessly. Yeah, or even a rod, honestly. Yeah, she's one. She, I I don't. So I'm a photographer not, not, as well, and I don't know if I've ever there's any other player that has such a look of intensity while they're playing, <laughs> and either the men's or women's side is a rod. Just the look alone, they wouldn't mess with the, they wouldn't mess with me if she yeah. gave it's not that look. Man, one glare like, from her and anyone would back down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I have a few options, but yeah, I would probably either, yeah, those three probably of the ones that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah, those are great options. So, um, well, Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Um, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, see what happens uh, once the season resumes. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, any, anytime. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.